0: song gets me, Energy's up. I feel good today, yeah, man. Back in the stool. Hey, everybody. We appreciate you guys for making us a part of your day. Nate Walworth in here. Joe Patton. Fun day in the studio. Super excited to bring to you guys a, uh, a guest that I've been trying to get on the show for a while now. Now that we are up and running. Studio is live. Our work is in here, looking crispy, and we have cracked rackets. Alex Gruskin coming on the podcast he to has talk voting him. rights. He does have voting rights. I, to be honest, I don't know if I knew that until today when you told me that.
1: He. It's a big deal. It is a big deal to have to get to pick who's, who's number one.
0: There's not anybody probably that better to have a. a, a vote. He should have voting Gruskin rights. Gruskin should have a vote for sure. <laughs> the guy is dialed in at a different level. Um, it's just. There's not many like I feel like I'm very in touch and in tune with the tennis community, and there's definitely like, I mean obviously we we are, but like when it comes to college and the junior market, I'm just like, man, he he lives, breathes, eats, sleeps, all day every day, and I don't even know if he has to prepare to come on a show like this to to talk stats and stuff. He just has everything ready. I'm like, can I ask you about this? Yeah, can I ask you about this? What if I do? Th-? Sure. I'm just like, loves tennis. when I come on a podcast, when, when I go on their podcast, like, I'm like, you can, we can freestyle a little bit, but like, give me some outline here. Gruskin is just a different breed though. So one of the, my favorite people in the tennis world, one of my best friends in, in tennis, and I, I knew you would enjoy his uh, episode. He's just got so much information stored up in that, under that big head of hair he's got. So fun episode, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the Davis Cup. Uh, finals, just a cool team event. I'm all about the team events, as you guys have heard us ramble about that for, uh, I mean, a year and a half, two years now. It's just like, that's how tennis is best showcased. And we saw it again. Shout to Team Canada. Shout out to Denis Shapovalov and Felix Adria de two of the best young rising stars in our game. Put the team on their back and go get a title. So super cool. I was bummed that the United States didn't get it. There was some beef out there on, the, on Twitter between Taylor Fritz and Canadian Braden Schnurr about leaving Re- Rajiv Ram off the team.
1: Yeah, I saw that.
0: World number one doubles player. I, I, I'll try to – Taylor Fritz, though. I'm just like, let me just – I'll just – like, what, what, what are you doing? Why would you even engage in that? Like, Braden Schnur doesn't have any relevance in the tennis community, but you just gave him relevance. Like, that's what he was wanting. He egged you on, and then you made yourself not look very good for the world to see it's just like
1: maybe it's just you mean know, some of the times there's those people that just piss you off though
0: and schner was like dude he's like he's like you owe me an explanation as why you think that there you go usa's ego is in the way or whatever why why our ego busted this team chemistry or whatever it was and schner is like i don't know you jack he's like you said more words to me on twitter than you said to me your whole life and i was just like Ooh, this is getting out of hand so I I felt uncomfortable f- for Fritz. Uh, honestly, I was like, this is this is not going anywhere good. And I just thought. And then Tommy Paul chimed in, who I'm a fan of. But just like Team USA, we I think we're better than that. I I don't think we needed to. It, we already we just take our L again. Get out of there.
1: People, though, sometimes people just piss you off. That's true. That's true. I and can like, I can attest to that. You can't just leave it there because they they just piss you off.
0: They just yeah. They could have. It, I felt like the, the zinger wasn't much of a zinger no it was, it was like if you're gonna hit, hit with you a zinger to you gotta some, hit yeah. like hit then like i don't know what th- that was like
1: it was, yeah it's kind of soft. that was like
0: sucker punching somebody but just like a just push. a little push like that's not gonna look good for anybody no, no. so anyway if you guys really want to read into that go check it out but enjoy the conversation with with gruskin guy has energy that not many have in this industry so i, I appreciate that and uh no it's awesome to have a friend like that in the industry that you can call up and make his pure tennis podcast debut but jp What's going on in your world? Any, anything you want to just talk about? I mean, we've been, me and you've been grinding every every week now. You and I are getting on the court. I think I'm. This is probably the the best shape that I've been in since I played college tennis. I feel like I'm I'm, I'm coming back.
1: Yeah, you're definitely coming back. It's looking good. Serves nasty backhands, looking tough. It was. I, I was. T- Forehands, <laughs> there. I would say it's there. So
0: we, Joe and I, played a best of three match in the summer in in the summer heat. And after the second set, he's like. Can we play a third set? And I, I swore I thought he was joking. And I looked at him. I'm like, dude, I'm, like, I'm done. I'm toast. After that day, I was like, I realized how bad a shape I was in. And I was like, this is, this is not cool. This is it not going to happen. Pretty humid that day. It,
1: it, it, there's a difference between playing <laughs> humid tennis and then what we're doing now in the indoors. So.
0: I appreciate you giving me the benefit of the doubt. I did not bring enough powerade, but uh, no, I, I was hurt and I was like, I cannot let a guy that is 15 years old, my, my older work me on a tennis court like this. I mean, it was, that was too much, but guys enjoy the conversation. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And we will be back in the studio soon. Guys, we have a special guest today making his pure tennis podcast debut. Someone that I'm sure many of you guys are uh, familiar with in in his work and whether it's from anything from the junior tennis to the professional tennis rankings, to tennis channel, Alex Gruskin, welcome on the show. Looking good. How are we feeling today, bud?
2: We are feeling great. It is a pleasure to be here. This was a long time coming, as you are essentially a co-host of our Crack Rackets Mini Break podcast. I am happy to do a little home and home with you. It is a pleasure to be here today. Thanks for having me.
0: Here's a little bit of the studio look right here. Look at that. So it's coming. It's coming along. It's. It's. Uh, I'm excited to be in here now. It's like it feels like a home now. Got some artwork in here. Shout out to ATP Fan Art for hooking it up. Uh, follow her on Instagram, does a lot of cool stuff. But all right, Gruskin, so I want to, I mean, that we have you on our show, we, we got to go into what made you Alex Gruskin, which I feel like college <laughs> tennis is what puts you into the ethosphere is one of the uh, talking voices of, of our sport. Yeah,
2: That's- that was, oh, sorry, go ahead. No,
0: go ahead. Is, is Am I wrong in saying that?
2: No, you're not wrong. I would say American tennis more broadly was kind of our niche early on. And, you know, for me, I didn't play college tennis. I went to Michigan. I played club there. It was absolutely delightful. And, you know, I like to say on the binary scale, I'm a one, not a zero when it comes to are you good at tennis or not? Like if someone saw me, they'd be like, okay, this guy played growing up as opposed to someone who was casually picking up a racket or buying it at Walmart and not the delightful tennis point as as is sometimes the case for us early on, you know, it was looking for openings in the market. What could we talk about with intelligence that other people weren't talking about? And, you know, those things were very American tennis centric. One of the first series we did was called the next gen American series. And that was back in my writing days back when I was really enthusiastic about things, Nate, where we'd write about all the guys, you know, the next gen guys, 96 to 98 from, you know, Noah Rubin winning that Junior Wimbledon title all the way through to Kozlov, Mo Tiafo, what they were accomplishing. That was the sweet spot, as was college tennis, because I knew people were like me, that they were scouring the internet for any sort of information they could find on the college tennis world, whether it be Colette Lewis, Bobby Knight. I know early on Virginia men's tennis used to post like seven minute highlights of every match they played. I think I have every match video memorized from like 2008 to 2017. I can tell you everything that happened in Virginia men's tennis. You know, you were just looking for any sort of free feeds you could find and college tennis were some of them. So those are really our two things early on.
0: Shout out to UVA for doing that because there's not enough yeah. programs highlighting and giving the spotlight to their unbelievable tennis programs. So, no, I appreciate you kind of explaining to our listeners what kind of brought you into tennis. And uh, I didn't mean to diminish any of your background. I know you have <laughs> had a, a big time career at, at Michigan um, performing in front of more people than I've ever performed in front of. You guys want to check it out on YouTube? Uh John Parsons was like, Did you know Gruskin was like, there's like a video of him playing tennis? I was like, show it to me now. And <laughs> I, I got to see the forehand. I'm like, there are like I don't know, there are thousands of people there watching your, your club your club finals. It looked like well, a full a full house.
2: It was very cool. I will say this. Not everyone gets to say they're a national champion. I don't care what (laughs) level it's at. It's a cool thing to get to say in life. And, you know, I can tell you April 15th, the exact day that it happened. It was actually April 10th to the 12th. I didn't post the video on YouTube till April 15th. That's the date John Parsons gave me. I just did his podcast yesterday. Um, So for what it's worth, I will never forget. Nationals that year, April 10th to the 12th. I lost my phone. I... I mean, I was 21 at the time, so I can say this. We were very drunk the night we won the championship. And so you're really hungover going to the airport the next day. And I was really well. Did
0: CC Bellis give you an interview under?
2: You know what's really mean? So CC Bellis did the play by play broadcasting for the national final. And we did like a pre production, two hour long interview with the staff so they could get to know us so they could sound intelligent during the broadcast. And that friendship I forged with CC in those two hours has actually lasted to this day. So shout out to Club Tennis. But no, the real thing was we were the demo event at the national campus. So it was back in 2017 in Lake Nona. At the time, there was one hotel two restaurants, didn't have Boxy Park, didn't have half of the, no, three quarters of the development you have now. You had one hotel, you had the hospital, you had the national campus. That was it in 2017. And so everyone would stay on the campus after their matches because there was nothing else to do. I will say to see where Orlando has come over the past five years is absolutely remarkable. And yeah, I mean, for the record you didn't diminish my playing career it was not spectacular and no. we've already spent too long talking about I, it but those are the sort of things that forge the passion right for what we do today
0: exactly and moral of the story guys for those of you guys that are young juniors or high school players <laughs> that don't necessarily have any dreams of playing at the division 1 level guys club tennis is a marvelous place to take your talents like i'm not
2: i'm not going to say who but there were teams varsity teams that would send their ninth guy, tenth guy, and say, go play the club nationals, because you're not going to play for us this year. So go play club this year. So you get some matches in. The level was exceptional. I just also want to sneak in the other takeaway. I'm one of the teammates of our generation, Nate. Like, come on. <laughs> state title in high school, national champ in club, whatever we're doing here in at Crack Rack. It's teammate of a generation.
0: Now 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 we're getting a little carried away.
2: Um <laughs> No, but I think I, I get to watch uh,
0: University of Cincinnati's club team practice at our club and the amount of energy that those guys bring every Wednesday night when I see them and how many courts they fill up, it's just like, that looks like a fun thing to be a part of. And I would always say like, guys, if you guys, I know school gets hard, but make time for things like club tennis because you, you have a ton of cool people and the competition is legit. And even if you're not one of the top tier players, you, there's they separate you guys by level. So No. That kind of kicks it off for us, though. I wanted to get into kind of the storylines that have caught my eye in college tennis, starting off with one guy that I think we, you and I have been tuned into now for a couple of years, at least, and Ben Shelton. Um, we talked about him on your podcast not too long ago and how he's made this unbelievable climb. I believe he was outside the top 900 to start the year. Now he finds himself in the top 100 for the first time, wins back-to-back-to-back challenger titles something that's pretty unheard of, especially I think he had 15 matches. I think it was in like 18 or 19 days, something insane. And he's just kind of taken like the tour by, by the, by the horns. And it's like, he just signed with on running. Now he's got his sponsorship deal, which was kind of a big news in the, because everybody's like, where's where this guy going to sign? He could be one of the faces of American tennis or the the tour in general. And that he had a great podcast with Mike Cation. I listened to, I thought that was very fun to kind of listen to those two guys go at it. They obviously have a good relationship when. No, I think Ben Shelton's a very easy person to root for. Where where did you kind of see Shelton for the first time, and what did you think after one match or one practice where you kind of saw his talent?
2: Well, I like to think at Crack Rackets, we actually created the Ben Shelton bandwagon. I think you would attest to that fact. And while I say that publicly, the real stir of the drink was Colossal. Colette Lewis, because Colette Lewis went down to nationals, which I believe were held in Orlando in 2020. It was like December, obviously ripe covid time. And yet they were still holding the event at the national campus. There were all of these rules. And, you know, we've had Ben Shelton on the Cracked interviews podcast many times. I'm fortunate to say he's one of the people who will actually respond to uh, to my texts and calls. And we've developed a good relationship over the years. But early on, you know, you heard about Shelton, big lefty extraordinarily athletic, but he didn't really take tennis that seriously till he was 14, 15 years old. And so, you know, I knew he was going to be good coming into college. I knew he had some weapons, but Colette really said, no, Alex, I saw him at the national campus. He's locked into the tennis. Now you need to keep an eye on him. And, you know, right away, you could see, the physical capabilities, his ability to hit the cover off the ball when he connects with that slice serve out wide. Am I allowed to swear here, Nate? I don't want to swear inappropriately.
0: Do your thing. Okay.
2: I appreciate that. So, cause it's just, it's for a quote. I was talking to a player who faced Shelton during uh his college tennis career and said look i was like what's it like dealing with that serve and he goes alex when he lands the serve out wide on the ad side you're just fucked because <laughs> he's either going to hit an ace on that serve or he has a first forehand or first volley and you have no idea where he's going with it and you're just fucked
1: yes, and I really like
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. You can see that manifest itself. Go watch the Casper Rude match at Cincinnati. Doesn't matter what level it is. When Ben makes that serve, he's just in control and he's always had that. But, you know, even with that said, I've seen a lot of players who can hit the ball hard and there has to be a level of control. There has to be a level of point construction. And obviously there has to be a level of athleticism to just make it at the highest levels of the pro tour. And, It was interesting during NCAAs. I had a college coach come up to me and say, I think Ben's going to be a top 10 player in the world. I think everything you see about Dennis Shapovalov, Ben can do that, but he's also six foot five. And when a coach said that to me at NCAAs in 2021, a year, obviously he clinches the national championship for Florida. They win the men's title. That really got my attention. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: when you start to think about it that way, You know, then the summer, he goes on to win a futures title in Champaign, finals of Kalamazoo, a tight loss to Sfida, and obviously wins the All-American in college as well. You just started to see all the pieces come together. And when you match that with the component of look he didn't really get into tennis full-time until he was 14 15 years old wait for him to complete the Gladwell 10,000 hour theory and actually put in the time on court he needs to the repetition he needs to master these things you know it was very clear coming into 2022 that he was the guy in college tennis he wins the NCAA singles title and You know, I would really say it was that 2021 NCAAs having that coach say to me, look, this is a 6'5 Olive. Once you see that, you kind of say to yourself, oh, like, how does that player not have success in the top 100?
0: No, and I think that's well said. I hadn't drawn that comparison myself. Obviously, they have the lefty thing going for them. They're both... Uh, exquisite ball striking. And like, the explosion. The it's yeah, just the explosion like is, the
2: yeah. first step, the power they can generate. It's elite. You know, on the women's side, you've heard this analogy on our cricket. Yonix uh, is crack- happy crack-
0: with those guys. I can tell you that. Yeah,
2: exactly. But we call it Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club uh, for the women's game. I don't know what the equivalent is for the men who that ca- country club would be named after, but Ben Shelton. Gonzalez. Be- <laughs> the Gonzo <laughs> Club. Gonzo. Uh, club. Yeah, he's a member of the Gonzo
0: Club. No, so... But Sheldon, he's got, he has more, like, what impressed me is he has more than that now. Like, he yeah. put the work in with his body, and I think the, in the last year and a half that I followed him, his body seems to have come a long way, and then, obviously, the confidence comes. I think when you go to a Masters 1000, you have two huge wins, one against a top two player this season, another against a, like, a Sonigo, who's been top 40 or whatever. Takes those guys and pretty, like, I mean, he, he punished both of them. Like, neither one of those guys seemed to be able to hurt him. And once I saw that, it was like, all right, this like Gruskin wasn't just blowing smoke. This guy really has the goods to, to really make noise. And I'd said that at, at the time, I was like, top 20, I could definitely see. And then I've come around, I was like, what could stop? What stops him though? Cause he's got the front court game coming. He's got to be able, the, the slice is coming a long way. He can defend off the, the, the slice backhand now. His movement has just continued to improve. The serve has gotten more solid. The kick serve is just, I mean, ridiculous. There's just too many weapons for him not to succeed. So, so I definitely want go ahead.
2: Well, well I was going to say two things off of that. One, you mentioned, you know, his past, the success that he has had. He is the youngest player ever to win three challengers consecutively uh, in three straight weeks. And I got to go to Champaign. I watched him play an incoming freshman for Illinois named Carlos O'Zalins, who was a top 100 junior, 6'4", 6'5", big boy, hits the cover off the ball. And in watching Ben beat him in straight sets, the thing you see is Ben is just always one shot better than his opponent. And that's something where if you watch a lot of tennis, you know what I mean, where it's just like it doesn't matter what Ozolins did. Ben always had an answer for it. He's one shot better. He's one step faster. And, you know, I talked about this with Ben when he came on our show. I say, Ben, when I watch you play. And the hold percentage, he held about 87% of the time, which would be a top five number amongst top 50 players. Obviously, you have to adjust for competition. But I said, Ben, the weapons are obviously there. There's no doubt when you're in rhythm, you can control points. The mm-hmm. question I have is you know, when I watch you play, sometimes what I think to myself is you need to slow down. Like, do you need to be going for that winner on that ball, where if you wait two shots, maybe you get a more advantageous short ball and just, you know, again, constructing points with a little bit more patience and continuing to improve his discipline. Yeah, he goes, goes, Alex, did you talk to my dad? Like, that's all he ever says to me. And so I think slowing down is one. But guess what? Ask any coach in the world. Do you want to have to coach a player to speed up or do you want to have to coach him to slow down? The slowdown is always the option because you can't manufacture a top speed. But Ben doesn't have to manufacture it. He's got it. That would be part one, part two quickly because I apologize for interrupting you. There you go. A lot of his success on the Pro Tour this year, and there was a lot of it, 8-0 in Challenger quarterfinals, which is ridiculous. He didn't have an ATP point this year until the first week of June, and now he's top 100. It's like He could very well be top 50 by the 2023 French Open um, just because he has no points to defend. But a lot of his success came on indoor hard courts. We've never seen Ben Shelton play a professional clay court match. We've never seen Ben Shelton really play top 100. He's played five top 100 opponents in his career. Like, we need to see him tested. I mean, he's passed all of the prerequisite rounds, right? Like, he's in the Bowser Castle. He's taken on the boss now but we need to see him take on the boss.
0: Yep. And in that regard, he reminds me of JJ Wolf. Not that JJ had the success that quickly, but but all of his success had come on a hard court and he dominated, especially in college.
2: Indoor hard courts too. It was like Columbus always, you know, uh, wherever else they, you know, Champaign, Knoxville, Charlottesville.
0: Yep. He took out Corda, and was it Cleveland or was that Columbus? He took out Corda early on in the final. So, I mean, yeah, it reminds me of a lot of ways of J.J. Wolf, but Shelton, we we just got to see him take out the new face of college tennis, at least in my opinion, would would be Ethan Quinn, another guy you had on your podcast recently, which I really enjoyed, great back and forth. Uh, Can't believe the guy's a freshman, Uh, 18 or 19 years old. He talks like he's... He was so
2: polished. I'm so happy you say that. Wasn't it incredible?
0: It really was. I think that was probably the most impressive interview from a... I mean, especially that he's a freshman—not just a college, but he's a freshman. Like he was in high school a year ago, and that guy, like, even if you didn't know how good of a tennis player he was, how polished he was, how smooth he was, like how articulate he was, kind of conveying his opinions and how his pro- how he processes information—I was blown away by that. Yeah, Any- he- g- give me your comments on Ethan Quinn and what fans who that listen to the show may not have tuned into college tennis last year, but why should they tune in this year to the, the Georgia Bulldog freshman, an All-American and a, and a star.
2: I want to answer that question and I will, but I do want to throw one other spicy take as I am very grateful to be on the show here today. My spicy take for you in regards to Ben Shelton. This will be Brian Shelton's last year coaching the University of Florida. Uh, My spicy take is that after this season, he will say, I have to go with my son. I have to go be his professional coach. I have to follow this. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. And by the way,
0: Ben hasn't hired one.
2: Well, he's got people he's working with. Obviously, Brian is still in charge. He's a former top 100 player. He's a Division I national championship for the men and the women winning coach. You want Brian Shelton in your corner. He also happens to be Ben's dad. And just like the concept of traveling around the world with your father as you're working to become the best tennis player in the world. I mean, my dad would never want to do that. But like the theory of that is unbelievable and you can completely understand why brian would want to do that so there's my spicy take for you
0: so after they after shelton after ben beat sonigo i think his dad gave me one of my favorite interviews that i've had in since i've been in tennis it's like wow like he like he was so transparent with the pro like how they processed the rain delay how they went in with the mindset and tactically tried to defeat a, a top 40 player that it was just i was blown away by how much they were able to kind of leave out there for us to Put out there and they knew it was like going to be put out there on social media and everything else. And I think that's, that's a winning situation right there for Ben.
2: Yeah. And there's just the pride. You can see the smile and how could you not be proud of what your son's accomplishing? There's also a calmness. It's just like you want, I mean, either Ben is being is based in Gainesville this off season. He wants to be close to family. That's what makes him most comfortable. That's what allows him to have success. So there's a sizzly take for you. I think this is Brian Shelton's last year at the university of Florida. And boy, When that job opens, I know they just hired Matt Clore as their new assistant, but some people are going to want that job because that's a very, very good, well-located college tennis job. As for Ethan Quinn, I mean, wins the All-American, wins it pretty comfortably as well. Now, there were some absences in that draw, worth noting. I do think there are some guys who are going to be on his level and give him a run throughout the course of this college tennis season, but... I always equate it to Jack Sock. It reminds me a lot of Sock, just the forehand, the serve, the ability to move forward. You know, he's more comfortable hitting the backhand. Now, he's not quite as explosive and twitchy as Jack was at 17, 18 years old. Go watch the Kalamazoo highlights. You can find them on YouTube. But it's just the way he asserts himself, the way he's always on his front foot moving forward. He's way bigger than you think he is when you see him in person. He's like 6'3", you know, 6'2", 6'3", filling into his body. And then you mentioned it. It's just like... I am a hundred percent certain. I know he's 18 years old, but I am a hundred percent certain that Ethan Quinn will become the best version of himself because he does it the right way. He's just, he wants to be a really good tennis player. not he's not just good at tennis and that's a thing he does. No, he has worked at this. He wants to continue to improve and he's got real weapons already. I I think he's going to have a big year in the college tennis world.
0: I got to watch him at Kalamazoo this year and I was yeah, like he's on his front foot, ninety percent of the time he hits spots with the serve. He 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 plays high margin tennis. He swings big, but he swings into big targets. So he's not he's not like yeah, nothing is. He, he, there's not a whole lot of risk in his game until he's ready to un- unleash the forehand.
2: And that's at his age. I mean, he's got to – yeah. Can I ask the... you a question? Let's hear it. Nishesh versus Ethan Quinn. Who are you picking right now?
0: That's a, that's a good segue. I actually had N- Nishesh and marked on my next uh, my next guy. Who am I taking, Nishesh or Quinn? Oof. I'll take like long-term success.
2: Yeah. Give me, or, well, both give me right now and team. long-term. So freshman, so freshman year,
0: I think, gosh, I was blown away by Nishesh in California, watching him live. And Nishesh
2: is probably going to play two for Stanford because if Ferry comes back, he's the true, one.
0: True. True. No, I will say freshman year, I'll go with Quinn. I think he's a little more mature. I think his body's more ready for the, the collegiate game right now. He can play more tennis on those legs. I think Nishesh has more development ahead of him. I love, he's got a great head on his shoulders, plays the game. I mean, there really wasn't any shots that he hit where I was like, why did he choose that shot? Like every shot he hits was with a purpose, hits great patterns. I mean, he plays well beyond his years, similar to Ethan Quinn, but Nishesh has better variety. I like his backhand a lot, very flexible, fluid backhand. If he can absorb pace, he can throw pace at the ball. He just... Super stable from that, and then coming forward, I was like, his pickups were incredible, and like he was just catching balls at his feet, redirecting them, short in the court, so guys had to come forward and at the angle. So it's like, even if you get to the ball, it's a tough pass, and he gave Finn Bass all types of trouble.
2: I'm not the athlete you are. If you had Nishesh's backhand, would you still be playing?
0: Hundred, yes, hundred percent. Because like, I mean, Joe, Joe's Joe's laughing over here because he knows my forehand. I feel great, but like the backhand, like it's just stiff. It just does not like. That's what I'm saying because you have this.
2: Yeah, yeah, but you have a serve, you have a forehand, you have some weapons, Nate. You've got some size as well. If I give you that backhand, now you're a freaking player.
0: (laughs) My confidence would be through the roof if I had a backhand. That's
2: insane. I I would give up the the last month of my life to have his backhand for the rest of it because it's like, (laughs) look. God willing, eighty-seven-two versus eighty-seven-one. But like, I've got at least fifty years of tennis left in me, and if I get to have his backhand during those fifty years, the amount of joy it will bring me exactly. would be worth having one less month of uh, of life. Because it's just like, yeah. But do you know how sick my backhand was these last fifty years?
0: So long-term success, though, when Nishesh's body continues to develop, yeah. and he's obviously going to hit the weights, and he's going to kind of. Well, his just worked. quickly
2: on that, because you just some insight. Nishesh had a ton of injuries during his right. career. He was a guy who I believe won Le Petit AS, the 14 and under World Championships. And then, you know, he's got the fiberglass knees like they're just not great. And, you know, I would happily give him my knees if it means he has a fulfill, you know, a successful career, because that's a donation I'm happy to offer. But that is the question. And you said it perfectly, which is why I have nothing else to add. It's just I think Ethan is ready for mm-hmm. the physical grind. I can't say that I know Nishesh is going to be healthy for the next five months.
0: Last guy I want to talk about in the college tennis ranks who impressed me a lot last year at NCA's, I believe his future may be up in the air a little bit. Gab Diallo. Guy that dominated college tennis last year. Still had some like some shot selection issues. The backhand wasn't struck as confidently as he probably would have liked in NCA's, But this past summer... Boy, has he taken a jump forward. And whether it was winning his first challenger, being a part of this Davis Cup championship and learning from two of the best young guys on the tour, Shapovalov and Felix, it just seems like is he going to come back to college tennis? And I mean, at six foot seven or whatever he is, massive lefty, huge ball striker, can move, has a lot of the same things we've said about Ben. Does he come back to the Kentucky Wildcats?
2: It's a great question. Um look, when you Do what Gab Diallo has done over the course of – Almost 200 – what is
0: he, 200 in the world now?
2: Well, I think, yeah, it's like 220 or something like that. The point is when you look for Gab Diallo, he is going to get into Australia. He's 229 in the live rankings right now. He's going to get into Australian Open qualifying on his own ranking. That's just really rare for a player with college eligibility left to do. And when you look for Gab Diallo, who was ridiculous down the home stretch of this twenty twenty two season, went twenty three and ten overall. He, you know, wins the Granby Challenger, makes the finals in Fairfield, semifinals in Calgary. He also has no points to defend until the start of June. And it's just like, don't you almost have an obligation at that point to test yourself when, look, let's be honest, if you have five free months and you're getting into challengers and, you know, you've made multiple finals, semifinals, et cetera, there's a pathway to the top 100. And Mm -hmm. that's ultimately what all of these players aspire to do. And whether it be Tennis Canada, maybe edging him along and saying, "Look, we've got the money for you, we've got the resources for you, but you have to go pro now because this is your chance," versus being a 21 year old kid and saying, "Well, wait, my friends are at Lexington, my family's in Lexington. You know, our my pejorative (laughs) family is in uh, Lexington, and like if I come back." Maybe we, instead of making the finals, which they did last year, can win a national championship. It's a really tough decision for Diallo to make. If your head coach, Cedric Kaufman for Kentucky, you got to juxtapose knowing if you get Gab back, we can win a national championship versus saying, Hey, look, you're still a human and you have this massive pro opportunity in front of you. And who am I to take that away from you? It's a really tough position for everyone involved in this decision if What's you're what? asking me, I'm
0: asking Al, Al what where, Where's your money on this one?
2: I just think he has to go because if he does, now you get to May, and instead of having to defend all of these points just to hold on to your 230 ranking, maybe now you're inside the top 200. Maybe if things break right, you're on the precipice of a top 100 breakthrough by the French Open. Certainly, you're getting into French Open qualifying with your ranking if you play, you know, January through April. Um, and January and February, great months, indoor hard courts. Like for Gab Diallo, are you kidding me? Yeah, Six, seven monster Six, physically. We haven't talked about his tennis at all. He's ridiculous. Yeah, like he's the athleticism, the fluidity it's, it's laughable.
0: And the the thing that we haven't mentioned either is like all four of these guys we just talked about. And that's what I wanted to bring you on to this time to highlight. Cause there's great players in college that are going to make a great living playing tennis mm-hmm. and all four of these guys we just talked about are awesome dudes like they're so easy to root for all four of them i've had, I've had conversations with all of them and it's just like how humble they are how well spoken and just like down to earth they are it's just really cool to see these guys at a young age find success and look like they're all gonna have a, a fun time making money on atp tour
2: Yeah, no, well said. They all have weapons as well. Shelton has weapons. Ethan Quinn has weapons. Diallo has weapons. You need those weapons to succeed in today's pro tennis. I mean, again, Diallo is also a physical freak. Six, seven, yeah, six, seven lefty. Like, Like, yeah, there are times you watch him and you go, this guy, like, you play tennis. Like, how? Like, it's just like, we are playing two different sports. Like, what you are doing, I am not capable of. Canada's
0: doing something right.
2: Yeah, no, you can just see it. It's also like if he comes back, man, I don't think Draxel can play one. I think no, it has to be Diallo no. moving forward, which no. is crazy. And like a Lafayette in at 3 God, that would be a fun team.
0: Kentucky would be loaded if they if they had those guys all come back.
2: Yeah, no, but maybe but, still a guy short. But that's a conversation maybe for a different we're,
0: No, we're going to bring you back on for that because I was looking at the team UTO. Yeah, we need
1: preseason votes too.
2: We
0: do. We're going to do a preseason, yeah. I was going to ask you for predictions, but I think it's still too early. We're going to hold off on the predictions. Well,
1: he probably can't get He's got voting rights still. Do you You still voting.
2: I am a voter. Um, this is true. But, v- but I'll tell you this. The rules are a little loose when it comes to college tennis <laughs> voting.
0: That's funny. <laughs> so, who was- so you guys might be wondering what Al meant by the, the rules were loose. You guys are going to have to tune in to another episode when we get Al back on the Pure Tennis Podcast. Due to not having Zoom Pro, We had to cut the conversation a bit short. We were going to drop some, uh, just some of our initial predictions. We're on a
1: strict budget.
0: Exactly. But Gruskin, he ended the call with, hey, Nate, three words. Expense that shit. And I said, (laughs) I got you, my man. I got you. So we will be getting Zoom Pro. I did not realize that it cut us off after 40 minutes. So Gruskin will be coming back on. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate it. Dropping predictions, kind of laying out the landscape of who to tune into this season. Because I'm telling you guys, like, we don't just say this to say it no one's paying us like to say this type of stuff but like college tennis is amazing there's a reason we just talked about four guys because those four guys are going to be making money on the tour and you're going to want to watch these guys and you will kind of have like that behind the scenes uh before they got big type feeling where you're like i was on these guys early and that's what we want to try to do with you guys is show you guys where the stars are going to be coming from and where you guys can find them
1: but check out crack rackets
0: yeah, always check out crack It's Our friends over there do great work and one of the best in the business and one of our partners at Tennis Point for a long time. And I know that's one of our favorite relationships that we that we kind of have and one that I cherish a lot. And, yeah, guys, appreciate you guys tuning in. Let us know your feedback. We will be getting Gruskin on soon. Nate's out. JP's out. Enjoy your weekend, boys and girls.